Okay, Bible and Daily Lifers, we are continuing to move right through uh, the New Testament. We're in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 14. Chapter 14 of Luke. And what it says, one Sabbath. Now, a lot of these accounts in the New Testament and the Gospels happen on the Sabbath. Why do they happen on the Sabbath? Well, because Jesus is constantly going into the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And there he's teaching, there he's encountering people, there he's healing, he's meeting lots of human need, all kinds of things going on in the synagogue. <clears throat> and it was his habit to go into the synagogue every week. I like that, that it was his habit. And, of course, you have to imagine that Jesus going into the synagogue, there are probably a lot of things wrong from his perspective, but he went anyway. So, you know, maybe church for you, uh, you go, there's a lot of things wrong, but <clears throat> Jesus went and there were a lot of things wrong. It's just good to go and gather and think about God and worship God and be with people. And so one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So was the Pharisee setting him up or were the friends of this Pharisee using it as an opportunity to trap him? There was in front of him a man suffering from an abnormal swelling of his body. Now, we're not told really particularly what this is, but uh, it's obvious to all. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Well, didn't we just go through this in the previous chapter? Them getting upset that Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And he asked them, is it, is it lawful? Is it okay? <clears throat> Does the religious rules allow us to do this? Well, they remained silent. Hmm. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and he sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox and it falls into the well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? What if your kid falls in a hole on the Sabbath? Are you going to wait till the next day to pull him out or are you going to pull him out right then? Are you going to do good on the Sabbath? Are you going to help if you can on the Sabbath? What if your animal falls into a hole? What if your animal falls into a well? Are you going to leave it there until the next day? Or are you going to try to do it then? Is it, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath day? Again, they didn't say anything. Verse 6. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. <laughs> you ever, uh, I've had this happen. You ever go sit someplace in, uh, at the table or, <clears throat> you know, in this you know, any kind of sort of social setting and somebody tells you that, you know, that seat belongs to so-and-so. <laughs> A little embarrassing. Well, these guys, they thought that they were privileged. They thought they could just go and take these seats, apparently. And so Jesus told him a parable right in front of him. He said, you know, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And then they're going to ask you to move. If so, the host who invited both you and them will come to you and say, hey, give that place to another person. Give that seat to another one. Then you're going to be humiliated. You'll be humiliated um, when the host comes and he'll say to you, friend, move, move up to another place. But take the least place. Take the, the place of least importance. And then when you're invited to take the lowest place so, so that when the host comes, he'll invite you up. And he'll say, hey, friend, you know, don't sit there. Come on over here. 
then you'll be honored in the presence of all of the other guests. Everybody will say, oh, you know, he gave him the good seat. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow, what a principle that is. Um, if you humble yourself, God will lift you up and exalt you. If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. He's got something for all of us. Uh, for those of us who are prideful and arrogant, he's kind enough to bring us down and to humble us. For those of us who are insecure and humble and, uh, you know, just try to you know, be aware of everyone around us, then he'll raise us up. Kind of interesting. He gives us... Uh, he, he gives us what we need, really. And if you're all puffed up, you know, you need to be brought down. Verse 12, Luke 14. And then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and you'd be repaid and everybody will go be going to each other's party. He said, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. And although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You know, this is the principle of uh, it, making the kingdom of God bigger. We call it populating heaven. You know, going out into the highways and the byways and finding the weak and finding the broken, finding the crippled and finding, finding those in need and inviting them in. And if we do that, you know, we might not be, um, you know, making friends with the rich and famous in, in this life, but in the life to come, we'll be greatly rewarded, you know, for our concern, for our care. Verse 15, the great banquet. So the same theme for Jesus. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who in, in the world to come will be eating at the feast. And so Jesus loves to tell parables and stories. And, and he said, well, there was a certain man preparing a great banquet. And he invited a lot of guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to go tell those who were invited, come now, everything's ready. Invited a lot of people. And the guy's talking about the feast to come, the feast in heaven. But the all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, oh, I just bought a field and you know, I can't come. I got to go and see the field. Well, please excuse me. Another one said, oh, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on the way to try them out. Uh, please excuse me. Uh, still another one said, oh, I just got married. I, I, I can't come. And the servant came back and reported this to the master. He said, you know, everybody invited. They don't, they don't want to come. He, again, he's speaking of the people who had had the word of God, the religious people who were supposed to be waiting for the Messiah. They're rejecting the Messiah. And he's calling them to come. And they're just like, they're just too busy. They, they, they don't want to come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant this. He said, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, bring in the crippled, bring in the lame. And sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. There's still room. There's still room for you. <laughs> if you haven't come to Christ yet, if you haven't come to accept the work on the cross and the resurrection, his resurrection from the dead, accept it, receive him, admit you're a sinner, believe on him and confess. Now is the time to come. And then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes, the gospel, compel them to come in, compel them, go out and give out tracts and hang up signs and, you know, convince them to, to come in. Go tell them to come in so that my house might be full. Jesus wants a full house. That's why he hasn't come back yet. He's still waiting for people to come in. And I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those other ones, they rejected. Uh, they, they're going to get what they, what they wanted. So 
Let's read to the end of, the end of uh, Luke 14, starting with verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and to them he said, so the crowds are getting bigger. Uh, the resistance uh, to him, the hostility is growing. He said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father or mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person can't be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Well, that sounds pretty harsh, but really nothing, we shouldn't put anything in front of God. You shouldn't be putting your children in front of God. You shouldn't be putting your wife in front of God. You shouldn't be putting your mother in front of God. You shouldn't be putting your father in front of God, not your employer, not your reputation, not your finances, not anything. God needs to be above all. And if you can't put um, him first, then he has no place at all, really. And he says, suppose one of you wanted to build a tower. Won't he first sit down and estimate the cost and see if he has enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. I've done that, started projects and not finished it. Told people I started projects and, and they saw me not finish it. And you are, you're sort of embarrassed and ridiculed by it. Um, and they'll say, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So you want to come to Christ and you want, to, you, you want to go to the end. You want this to be the real thing. Make him Lord and Savior, not just Savior, but Lord and Savior. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Well, we see this in the world today. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Isn't he going to see if he can win this battle? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation when the other is still a long way off and he'll ask for terms of peace. You know, just thinking it through. In the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So we give up everything for God. We, we put him first. And you put him first and he gives everything to you that you need. But you put him first before your mother, before your father, before your sister, before your wife, before your brother, before your finances, before your education, before your reputation, before all of those things, before your sex life, before everything. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If you throw salt into the dirt, you know, it's, it's not good. You're not going to pick that up and put it on your food. It's fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Some of these things are a little difficult to understand. So if you understand them, then God has given you ears to hear. Because for some ears, it's hidden. And maybe it's hidden for your ears. So if it is, then pray this prayer in the psalm. God, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Might you see these things. And might you understand that Jesus is calling you. And he's calling you to be his disciple, to put him first, to be Lord and Savior. So let's continue on. Uh, Bible and Daily Life will just continue through the New Testament. Bless you guys. It's a lot of fun. Love you. May you experience peace, 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 the peace of God. Bless